The scripture reading this morning is from James, chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The word of the Lord. You guys back there have no hope of hearing me whatsoever. I think there's something coming there. Check, check. A little better? All right. Well, thanks, Colin. Colin and his uh, wife, Terry Lynn uh, Weber. They have two kids, uh, Michaela and James, right? And uh, they've been here since at TCC since last fall sometime and just getting to know them as well and wanted to introduce them to you this morning as a, as a family as well. Well, uh, We've uh, kind of been sheepishly looking at each other, Pastor Ken and myself, this, uh, this morning and around the table as we gather to pray and just kind of went, this is kind of a weird day. It's kind of a weird morning for me, as you may be aware. I am, uh, this is my last Sunday at TCC for, uh, before I launch off on a three-month sabbatical beginning um, next Sunday, in fact. So I'll still be in the office this week, but this will be uh, probably the last chance to interact with most of you. And so I just want to take a moment right off the top just to say thank you. Thank you to our, our elders who uh, so graciously um, have encouraged this and supported this, as well as our staff who uh, will all be doing uh, some extra duty over the next three months. So thank you to them and pray for them as well. Um, people ask me all the time, so how are you feeling about this? Are you excited? And I am excited, but I have to admit that I'm also just a little bit apprehensive um, because the reality is, is I'm going to miss you, and, uh, and I'm not sure you're going to miss me. Um, and, and you know, when you, when you go on a sabbatical, it's kind of like, oh, three months? Wow, that, that's, that's, how about six months? How about like forever? You know, like, um, anyways, that didn't happen, so I'm looking forward to it. But uh, it comes at an interesting time in my life. Um, I turned 49 earlier this year. I know I don't look that at all. Um, and uh, 2016 is my 25th, I'm just entered into my 25th year of full-time ministry. I'm now going into my eighth year here at TCC already, which is hard to uh, believe. I've had uh, one sabbatical um, in my sort of 
professional career. That was somewhat out of necessity. Um, and so this one is, is completely different. And, uh, and sure, there's an element of rest, but it's much more proactive. Uh, the last time when I said it was out of necessity, it was a particular physical and spiritual and emotional low point in my life where I was completely burnt out. And so this is really a, a time of rest and renewal um, and just, just taking extended time where God can do a deep work in me in such a way that I might be able to continue to serve uh, in this place and serve you well into the future. So thank you for that time. And when Pastor Ken asked if I would speak on this last Sunday, um, I was kind of hoping that he'd already have a new series that we could just kind of launch into, and I wouldn't have to sort of, you know, come up with something on my own. Um, but that wasn't the case. Uh, he's uh, studying, prepared this past week for a series that will start next week. Um, and so I found myself thinking and praying about, well, God, what, what do we... What, what do we have to say? And, and maybe this particular message may come strange when we look at the passage that James, James, sorry, that Colin read out of James, James chapter 1 and verses 19 through 27. I mean, why, why this passage? I mean, you might be sitting there going when you're at it, like, what's he trying to say to us? Um, but I see this passage as just providing some really good practical reminders about something that each of us do every single day as we interact with people, we're talking and listening. But James takes that interaction between people and very quickly uh, uses it to show us how important this posture of hearing and doing is when we're listening to the Word of God. And so James uh, just very warmly um, uh, opens these verses here with, My dear brothers and sisters. And then he says, Take note of this. And so you know like when you're in school or seminary or university or whatever and the prof is teaching and, and, and maybe you've kind of drifted off a little bit and then all of a sudden they go, take note of this. And right away it's like, whoa, there's something special coming up. I better make note of this because this might be on the exam. I might just need to know this. And that's almost what James is doing here. He's my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Pay attention. Listen up. This is important. Don't miss this. And so what ought we not to miss? And James is writing here in these verses about listening to the word, about receiving the word of God, and then doing it. And this is really important because if we don't listen, right? If we just kind of shut off our ears, we'll never hear. If we don't hear, we won't understand. And if we don't understand, then we won't know what to do. And we won't do what he says. But it all starts with listening. And so... I think these verses can be broken down into kind of two main kind of categories. We'll talk about how do we receive the word, and then how do we respond to the word. But how do we receive the word? First of all, he says, be quick to listen, in verse 19. Listening, I don't know if you've thought about it in this way before, but listening is a huge part of the Christian faith. We must listen to God. We, our faith, in fact, is a faith of hearing. It's not one of, of seeing, right? You may have heard that seeing is believing. And so you might be the kind of person that, even when it comes to the Christian faith, you might be going, I want evidence. I want concrete. I'm on, I even want scientific proof that God exists. But James would say, and I'm just passing that along to you this morning, that hearing, in fact, is believing. That God is revealed to us through the hearing 
of the word. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6 and verse 3 and 4, we read, Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And so just in these two verses, two times we hear, Hear, Israel. It's like, take note of this. And this passage that I read from Deuteronomy in Hebrew is known as the Shema because it's the first word actually used in this verse. And these verses, chapter th- verses 3 and 4, all the way through 9, is one of three passages that Orthodox Jews would repeat every single day. It was like a reminder to them to hear, to listen, and to obey. That's what the word Shema means. And in James, the, word that, the Greek word that's translated into English here, listen, be quick to listen, is the word akuo, which we get our English word acoustics from, right? So you see the connection? And what it means is, again, to hear and to comprehend, to understand, to obey. And so it's not just listening, it's, it's hearing and obeying, hearing and responding. There's a communication skill that we might practice between two people called active listening. It's a tool that is used to help in understanding. And basically what it involves is kind of repeating back what the other person said and sometimes asking questions in order to clarify. And and, and so this word from James, be quick to listen, is I think a great practical reminder in our relationships with one another. I mean, honestly, how many relationships would immediately improve if we just started actually listening to one another? But we also need, as James is moving into this context, he says, we need to listen to God's word. And here's how this works, okay? Let's just use this as a practical example. Right here, what's happening. I'm speaking, this message is coming out, and you're listening, and maybe you're already like saying, yeah, be quick to listen. Hmm, that's good. I, 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 I need to be a little bit more, um, you know, become a better listener to, to God and, and to my spouse, but maybe we need to be more active than that. And so we hear this word or this phrase, be quick to listen, and we want to be active listeners, and so we say, okay, be be quick to listen. I think I got that. But then you just, in your own quiet thought, you can pray that back to God and say, God, am I a good listener? Do Do I listen to other people? Am I listening to you? Am I a good listener? And then you wait for the answer. And we'll talk about that. We just listen for an answer. And maybe the answer at that moment is actually no. And you're like, no? I thought I was a good listener. What are you talking about, God? When didn't I listen to you? Remember a couple of days ago when I kind of nudged you in that quiet whisper to change the channel because something inappropriate was on and you didn't do it? Or maybe the answer is, well, sometimes you're a good listener. Sometimes you really get it. Other times you, you, just, you just miss it. Or maybe it's, yeah, yeah, you are a good. Remember that time when you were traveling down the white mud and you saw that stand, stranded driver and I just nudged you to pull over to help that one and you did? That was my whisper. And you listened to it and you responded. So yes, good listener. So we should be quick to listen. Secondly, we should be slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak really should be taken together as two sides of the same coin. When you are engaged in listening, we 
shouldn't then be too quick to speak either. We shouldn't immediately jump in with our own thoughts and our opinions because truly, if we're too busy talking, we can't be listening at the same time. And so usually if that's the case, we're more concerned with making our point or hearing ourselves talk than we are, in fact, with listening. And so when we talk too much, we don't listen enough. And we're actually communicating to other people that our ideas, our opinions, our preferences are more important than theirs. And James advises us here to reverse that tendency. He says, we should first of all be quick to listen and secondly, slow to speak. And this too is applicable in a relationship at home and at work, but also in our relationship with God. In being quick to listen, I illustrate that by explaining how that might work when you're listening to a message like this. But both of these actions are also true when we're reading God's Word. We read a passage, and we stop, and we listen. And we might say, as we said earlier, Speak, Lord, you've got my attention. Your servant is listening. And then we wait quietly. Remember, slow to speak. And in those silent moments, God, through the Holy Spirit, will press the truth that maybe we've just read, and it'll deepen into our own hearts and our minds. Maybe, Maybe it'll even make us a little uncomfortable. Maybe there'll be some conviction. Maybe there'll be some affirmation. Maybe there'll be some encouragement. But when we read God's Word and we're asking Him to speak, we need to then listen and be slow to speak. And this is true for prayer as well, in terms of our relationship with God. I mean, far too often, right, we do this. I do this too. I've got my my prayer list. And and, and we come to God with all of our wish lists, and we just kind of rapid fire them off. And we go through the list, and when we're done with the list, we're like, amen. And we get up, and we go on with our day. But I wonder if our prayer lives would change if we were quick to listen and slow to speak. If we would just come to God and say, what do you have to say to me? I want to listen. And this isn't, this isn't a one-way conversation, God. This is a dialogue between you and me. And so I want to be quick to listen, slow to speak. And thirdly, interesting, moves into be slow to become angry. I mean, sometimes there's a legitimate reason for anger. But usually we're just all too quick to become angry for all of the wrong reasons. It goes something like this, right? We hear something... Um, but maybe we haven't really listened or we speak too quickly or we don't really like what we just heard and so we just instantly react and sometimes the fuse is a little too short and the anger builds quickly. And so it sounds a lot like some of the wisdom of the Proverbs. Proverbs 10 verse 19. Sin is not ended by multiplying words. (laughs) You just just don't keep speaking as somehow sin is going to go away. It says, but the prudent hold their tongues. Or Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I think that gentle answer comes when we're actually listening, slow to speak, and so then we're going to be slow to, to to become angry as well. So I've been trying to just show how these very practical instructions from James are, um, are for interacting with God and his word, but also with people. But we can probably more easily wrap our minds around this in terms of human relationships. But it really is true in our relationship with God. 
And so um, I know the series that Pastor Ken is going to launch us on uh, into these next few months is, is hearing God. It's about listening prayer. How do we listen for the still, small voice of God in the midst of the crazy world that we sometimes live in and how easy it is for us to miss that. And so I think we're going to grow and, and learn um, a lot through this, through this next series. But when we read God's word, it says we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because, you know, why is that important when we're interacting with God's word? Because, frankly, sometimes the word hits us hard, right? It makes us a little uncomfortable. And, 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 and you know, maybe it even makes us a little mad. Why is that here? And the problem with that is that anger then sometimes has a way of just kind of shutting things down. Because now we don't listen anymore, and we might speak too quickly, and it might even be in angry, and, and we don't, or maybe we now can't even receive the Word of God. It's also true if God chooses to use your spouse to deliver a message. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe God has revealed something to them about your own behavior, and it's the last thing that we want to hear, or a close friend that comes to us and says, this is really hard for me probably kind of awkward, but I just noticed this, and we react to this. We're like, how dare you? Like, what gives you the right to speak into my life that way? And we just kind of want to, we want to push back, and we get very defensive, and it gets awkward in a hurry. But have you realized that God sometimes uses other people to speak to us? And sometimes it's a hard message. And maybe the message then itself, it challenges our pride. Maybe it bruises our egos a little bit. And we really don't want to hear it at all. And so we kind of just, you know, the proverbial like the kid, right? Stick the fingers in the air. No, 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 I'm not listening. I'm not listening, right? Or we fight back and we say an angry word and only to regret it later. And when we respond in that way, we then typically miss what God is trying to say to us. And if you look at verse 20, that's obviously the natural result then of not listening or speaking too quickly, maybe even getting angry when he says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Because of our angry response sometimes to God's word, sometimes delivered through a messenger of his, we miss the opportunity to grow and develop as his followers. But James has a few more things to say about receiving the word. And I'm just going to touch on these two quickly and then move on. The, the fourth one is just to get rid of all moral filth, he says, verse 21. Then he adds, and the evil that is so prevalent. And I just like that phrase, get rid of it, right? It's, like, it's just like taking off those old, dirty, stinky clothes, stuffing them into a garbage bag and throwing them out so that they don't somehow contaminate the rest of, of your wardrobe, so to speak. Just get rid of it. And fifthly, um, humbly accept the word. And so if we want to see change in our lives, if we, if we want to live according to God's plans and purpose for our lives, we do need to listen, we need to be slow to speak, we need to be slow to become angry, and there is a part where we might have to ruthlessly eliminate some of the filth from our lives, but we come to this place of humbly accepting the word. And it's about being teachable, and being teachable requires humility. And so that's how I would just say that we would receive the word. But once we receive it, how do we respond to it? How do we respond to the word? Well, first of all, he just says, verse 22, if you have your Bibles open, you can look at it. It just says, do not merely listen to the word. 
So now we've transitioned. The first part was about listening. But now, listening isn't enough, he says, because you'll deceive yourselves. He says, do what it says. That seems rather obvious, doesn't it? I mean, it's so simple, so direct, and so to the point. But James says that we deceive ourselves if we think that we can just receive the word, that is, listen to it, but then not do what it says. I mean, what he's getting at is, really, what's the point of that? Yes, you're listening, and you're receiving the word, but you don't respond to it. And so James says that when we only listen to the word, he uses this phrase, we deceive ourselves. And and, and so this deception starts with ourselves. And if we can deceive ourselves, then maybe we can deceive others. And if we can rationalize and justify an inappropriate sinful behavior, we deceive ourselves into thinking, well, you know what, it's not so bad. Or, or, you know, what could be wrong with that? And, and, you know, to be honest, I'm not as bad as that other person because what they did was way worse than what I did. And, and, And then sometimes we even start to blame others and it's their fault and all this stuff. But most of the time, It's all these little things that go unchecked. And these develop into ingrained patterns of sinful behavior. Negativity or gossip or bitterness or unforgiveness. Grumbling, complaining. You know, you can probably add to the list yourself. But over time, sometimes we can become so used to that kind of behavior. And and there isn't the kind of check that we should have. and, And then we don't even kind of see it as sin. And we might even just say, well, that's just the way I am. You know. Take me the way I am. And so to challenge our own deceptions, God gives us his word to shine a spotlight on some of these attitudes and actions. And he says here that the word is ultimately like a mirror in which we see ourselves as we really are. And, and so James uses the, the concept of a mirror to illustrate this point of hearing and not doing. Listen to verses 23 and 24 again. Anyone who listens to the word, okay, that is they've heard it, but does not do what it says is like someone, so here's the illustration, who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at it himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Right? You think about it. I mean, it's kind of a, a bit of a, of a silly illustration because it's silly to think that a person could even do that. How could they look in a mirror and then walk away and then forget what they look like? But that is how silly it is to hear the word, he's saying, and then not do it. It's incongruent. If you look at yourself in the mirror, of course you're going to remember what you look like. And more so, he, goes, he uses these phrases there that I love. He says, if you look intently into the perfect law and you continue in it, and then he says, not forgetting what you have heard, but doing it. These people will be blessed in what they do. In other words, James is saying that, you know, if you just take a quick casual look in the mirror, yeah, you might miss a few things. But... If you're focused and purposeful at, you know, you're looking in the mirror and you're strategically looking for something, you're like, is there something between my teeth, right? You know, you do that, you go up to the mirror and you're looking very intently there and you see something, you're going to do something about it, right? You're not going to just kind of shrug your shoulders and go, oh, okay, yeah, I guess there is. That's just the way I am. So, (laughs) have you ever turned to a friend or spouse maybe after dinner and said, is there anything in my teeth? And do you really want them to tell you? (laughs) You do, right? 
Because if there's something there, you don't want to embarrass yourself. And so, if they just say, nah, you're okay. But there's like a you know, big piece of spinach right between the teeth. And Do you want that? No. You want them to tell you the truth about yourself. And that's what we want to invite people to do in our life, that they would tell us the truth about ourselves. And God's word has a way of doing that. And so the Bible is like a mirror. And when we read it, we, we see ourselves as we truly are. James uses this phrase, the perfect law. The person who looks intently at the perfect law that gives freedom. And James is writing about us to remind us that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And so reading God's Word, studying it, continuing to study it, drives us to Jesus and to His grace, and His forgiveness brings freedom, and His love brings joy. And we just are in this relationship where we're studying His Word, He's speaking to us through it, and we're experiencing freedom that comes into our lives. And so we don't do what the Bible tells us to do just so that he'll somehow love us more. But because we know that he already loves us so much, we're motivated to live our lives in a way that brings him honor. And the way we know how to live our lives is by studying his word. It's very basic, very basic. And James says, that there is, in fact, the righteousness that God desires for us. There is behavior that pleases God. There is a perfect law. Jesus, and then later his disciples, they taught us how to live. And so we have this, this tension in living out the Christian faith. I would just frame that we're a dependent, there has to be dependent discipline. Okay? Where we're dependent on God to do his work in our lives, but we place ourselves in a place where we discipline ourselves through practical spiritual disciplines where we then can grow and be conformed and transformed into the image of his son, Jesus. And so I'm going to close with just three practical disciplines, and I want to encourage us to, uh, to really see if we can make this a more regular part. If it's not already, and if it is, that this would just be an encouragement to say, yes, that works for me. I have found that to be true. Because these three disciplines, I believe, help us to hear the word and to do it. And if you read any book about spiritual disciplines in the Christian lives, you're going to find these three. Maybe there might be some slight variations. But you can read, uh, Richard Foster has a great book called Celebration of Discipline. Dallas Willard has one called The Spirit of the Disciplines. And they all speak to these three disciplines. And the first one is solitude. Where we just get away by ourselves getting away from distractions and interruptions. And Jesus would often withdraw and get away by himself to be with his Father. I mean, there's something about being alone that creates this perfect environment for transformation. And solitude or being alone frees us up from interactions with others. And when we choose to be alone, we can be more fully with God, our Father. It's just alone time. And we all need it. And that might mean going to the ocean or to the desert or to the wilderness or to the mountains. Or it might even mean going to the mall to experience just the total anonymity of being in a crowd. Right? You can do that. You can walk through and there can be people around and you're trying not to make eye contact because you might meet somebody you know. But when you're on vacation, 
can be anywhere. You can be oblivious to the people around you, and you can experience solitude. Just you and Jesus. And I realize that can be scary, too. Because it's when we're alone with Jesus that we're then confronted with our own souls. And God starts to reveal things, and we question things. And, but being alone is an absolutely necessary discipline. If you want to study more about this, the importance of solitude, I encourage you, just pick up one of those books that I've mentioned and study this discipline for yourself. The second one is silence. Silence is related to solitude in that it's almost impossible to find silence in a crowd. And our lives are filled with so many distractions. I, for the, like, there's a couple of things that I do before every service. I won't get into all of them, but I can tell you this one thing. I always make sure that my phone's on silent. And I didn't this morning. And the people over here know that I got a text in the middle of the service. The sound guys were trying to get my attention. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I buzzed. I'm like, where did that come from, right? But we always have distractions. And so even when we put our phones on silent sometimes, we put them on the table. Now they're in vibrating mode and they buzz on the table and, and everything else, right? But it's in the silence that we're most likely to hear God. And if our lives are cluttered and noisy, we are in danger of missing what God is trying to say to us. On one occasion in the life of Jesus and his disciples, which Mark records in his gospel, chapter 6 and verse 31, there were so many people coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. Okay? Just think about the busyness. They, they just had people and ministry, and they didn't even have time to eat. They just worked right through lunch and worked through supper. And Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And it's in the quiet places that our souls rest and we can hear God. And lastly, another word, study. It's last not because it's least important, but the point is that when you get away by yourself in solitude and you have some quiet moments, it is through the reading and studying of God's word that he will speak. And this is what James is talking about when he says that people are blessed when they look intently into the perfect law, right? There's a focus and a purpose. And then he says that they continue in it. There's, there's a routine about it, that it is regular and maybe even systematic. And then he adds, not forgetting what they have heard. And so there's this, this implication of memorization. And then ultimately he says, doing it, right? And the best way to learn and to remember anything is what? To do it. To apply it. Make it a part of our lives. And the reason that we should study the Bible daily is to know God and His truth and to find direction for our daily lives. These pages, friends, are God's words to us. It is His way of revealing Himself to us. And we study them and we learn. And sometimes they cut to the core. But that is how God exposes what's in our hearts and our minds. And so can I just encourage you to think about that? How would you might, might find some solitude in your own home? When would you find silence? It might have to be really early or really late. Uh, and how do you study the Word? And I would just encourage you, if you don't already have a practice, a discipline of daily Bible readings, literally just go home, 
Get on your computer, Google daily Bible reading plans, and you'll have no shortage of them. Go to Bible Gateway. You can sign up for any type of scripture reading. You can read it chronological. You can read it beginning to end. You can focus on, on the Proverbs or Psalms. You can do all of these things. But get into a daily Bible reading plan. There's a book that we've encouraged over the years to read. We've got several copies on our resource table called The Divine Mentor. And he uses something called the Life Journal Reading. And I would, again, if this is something you're like, you know what, yeah, Norb, I've, I've listened and I've heard this morning. And I want to apply this. Pick up one of those journals and read the book and start to practice what it means to listen to God and his word. And so I want to just summarize it this way. Whoever studies the word, I think James is saying, that is, hears it, is blessed by what they do. But how will we know what to do if we don't read and if we don't study? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I just pray, Lord, that as we launch in, and I, I know, you know, there's part of me that is feeling like, oh, it's easy for me to say this. Because one of the things I'm looking so forward to over the next three months is just having extended time of solitude and silence and study. And so, Lord, maybe this message was just for me, but I, I suspect that as you shared it with your people this morning through me, that it resonated with, with a few at least. And, Lord, for those that are already doing this, may they be encouraged in their practice and in their discipline. And for those who might um, just be stepping out and, and learning and taking their first steps in their Christian faith, that they would see the importance of spending time with you in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.